Okay, so Miranda's going <laughs> to edit this one. No, I don't have time. <laughs> I'm, I'm so, so tired. tired. Jinx. <laughs> you have to edit. No. <laughs> okay. Not what that means. Uh, hi, and welcome back to I'll Tell You What, a spoopy podcast. Ooh. I'm Miranda. And I'm Ashlyn. And welcome to a special Halloween extravaganza slash um, apology for not <laughs> uploading for a little while yeah Ooh. Ooh. um marina decided to volunteer all of her free time the last two weeks and then got uh no thank you for it what's what's been going on with you though uh um, i literally haven't seen you in, in nine years has it been no you saw me last saturday for like 10 minutes wow i was hanging out with with josh oh that's right when oh Oh, Josh ran the Kansas City Marathon and won. No, he didn't win. Uh, <laughs> he basically, but he, pa- he, he was in the t- he was in he the passed. top two hundred. He was in the top two hundred. Which if is he amazing. Had, uh, he like slowed his pace on purpose. He took it like pretty leisurely at one point. And so, if he had kept his pace up, which he absolutely could have, he would have qualified for Boston. Woo! Yeah, that's so intriguing. He's thinking about doing the Atlanta one in March. So you get a Josh update. Yeah, there you go. You've been you've been jet setting, <laughs> jet setting, car setting, most like more Gross. likely because uh, yeah, uh, I've been back and forth and back and forth to a small town in uh, in a different state. Wow, so it's been so descriptive. Uh, I'm I'm trying to not like have them triangulate my locations oh. or whatever it is. I'm I don't like, know. I live in Kansas City, <laughs> next to this street. There's like eight scarecrows outside my house. Miranda, don't tell them about the scarecrows. <laughs> I was joking about the number. I don't actually know how many are out there. I know. What if it is, Amanda? <laughs> There's a lot. Why do we have so many scarecrows? <laughs> because you have a thing for scarecrows. Uh, you specifically. That's true. Mom. Mom. Every time mom buys a scarecrow, because they're really for her at this point. She <laughs> says they're for me. It was because Miranda at one point like really loved to decorate the yard with scarecrows ever since then it's like the scarecrows are miranda's apparently <laughs> uh so yeah welcome to the spooky season sorry we didn't do as much as we did last year because we were insane also last year not hired anywhere yeah we were also both well no i was technically working i was working only evenings which left the mornings free for a lot and yeah. it was only like three days a week or something like that yeah I keep tr- uh, forcing myself to do things at this point, so I may yeah. actually like crash and burn one of these days. So hopefully this episode will go out either like on Halloween or like before Halloween. Ooh, before Ooh. Halloween, we're getting we're getting uh, ambitious here. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, what are you gonna be for Halloween? I'm gonna be Batgirl. You're gonna be Batgirl. I'm very excited. Uh, so like the the um, Batman the animated series yeah. version. So it's it's kind of like the one that's Except like the popular one. you have a giant one. ponytail because you have I know because no I chopped off all my hair. Um, no, but uh, I didn't buy the costume in the store. So like I actually have like the uh, cat suit kind of thing for nice. it. And I'm going to be sewing a cape for it. And then I'm also going to create the you cowl could, for it. Is it the same cowl? Is it purple? No, this is, this is the uh, black one. Darn it. I was going to say you could just use your raven cape that I made you. Right? No, but... Uh, yeah, that one won't work for this, which is sad. But I need to, I need to, you know, redo my Raven cosplay at some point too, because that one was pretty fun. So you're gonna be Batgirl, and you're gonna make all yours. Yeah, I'm excited for making the cowl. That's what I'm excited for. I and Josh, mm-hmm. we are going to be Kim Possible and Ron Stoppable. We still have to find cargo pants. To the surprise of no one, because I'm sorry, I have a blonde boyfriend. What else was I going <laughs> to do? 
the opportunity is there. When the opportunity is there, <laughs> you must seize is it. Re- is this why you're dating Josh? Yes, the sole purpose. <laughs> no. She saw him and he was like, and she was like, wait, he's perfect. Perfect. <laughs> All right. No, but I'm very excited. We still have to find cargo pants and Halloween is like three days away. And also the Halloween costume contest thing that we plan on going to. It's like two days away. So, yeah. and I have no money. So it's going to be fun. I'm probably <laughs> going to go buy cargo pants uh, Friday night. I just spent so much money on craft supplies. Uh, a, th- a quick thank you to our Patreon subscribers. <gasps> David Medis. Yes, no, I said it right. And Aaron. We appreciate you guys. We love you. you. Wonderful. Um, let's. Uh, oh, we should probably tell the people what we're doing. So, uh, we'll tell you what. Isn't what that, do we tell them? Isn't that cute? We'll tell you what. Since it's the Halloween spooky season, we thought we Ooh. would uh, be a little lazy uh, and scour the internet and our minds for some spooky ghost stories for you. And Ashlyn's pretty much brain dead, so this is what you're getting, guys. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I <laughs> had no time, it's and I'm stressed, and Ashlyn's. Brain dead. Trying my best here. I understand. So yes, so we're going to be reading some stuff. We're going to be doing like a little popcorn action, uh, back and forth, not eating popcorn. I'll read one. Miranda will read one. I'll read one again. And we'll keep going until I end it because Miranda only did three. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So let's get this show on the road, shall we? Here's our first little story, one that I wrote myself, but based off of an urban legend. This is The Legend of the Dullahan. One night in Galway, a man was walking home when he heard the telltale sound of hoofbeats pounding on the road toward him. He turned to face the sound, but what he saw made him freeze in his tracks. Far down the road, barreling toward him, was none other than the carriage of the Dullahan. It was a ghastly creation constructed of coffins, tombstones, and skeletal remains of the malevolent fairies' victims, all lit up with the eerie glow of candlelight. The contraption was pulled by six massive black horses, moving so rapidly that their hooves produced sparks against the cobbled road. Hedges lining the road caught fire in their wake, and the man could have sworn that the resulting scene was that of a demon straight out of hell itself. Even more terrifying, however, was the image of the Dullahan. The thing appeared to be more corpse than fairy, with decaying skin and a stench of rot that not even its heavy, dark robes could contain. Furthermore, it had no head upon its shoulders. It drove the horses forward with a whip made out of a human spine, and as it approached closer, the man gasped in horror. There, nestled in the crook of its arm, was the missing head. Despite the flesh threatening to fall from its cheeks, the head was not only alive, but awake. Ew! Beady eyes protruded from their sockets, the pupils darting about as if searching for something. A horrifically wide grin was stretched from one ear to the next. It dawned on the man that the reason he could see the expression so clearly was that its skin was emitting light as it decayed. The Dullahan, of course, was known to roam the rural country roads on nights like this, when the moon was particularly bright. When it was loosed, no one in all of Ireland dared to leave their home, although that hardly mattered. No gate, door, or lock could stop the fairy from its prey. Once the victim's home was found, the Dullahan would stop its carriage and hold up its head. The ghastly grin was only permitted to speak once on each journey, and only the name of the one marked for death. That person, once named, could not be saved. The carriage drew ever closer, and the man stood stock still in awe and terror. 
As the Dullahan raised its head by the hair, however, he realized the need to run. He was no stranger to the tales concerning the Dark Fairy. If he was caught watching it, it may very well be the last thing he ever saw. For though the head could only speak once, the creature had a nasty habit of lashing out the eyes of those who witnessed its ride with a flick of its whip. The roving eyes finally settled. To the man's horror, they were locked on his own. Finally, his feet would move. He stumbled as he attempted to run, but there would be no escaping the fast-approaching carriage. High-pitched whinnies grew ever closer. Rapid hoofbeats drowned out the heart pounding in the man's ears. The heartbeat pounding in the man's ears. Desperately, he searched his person as he ran, hoping to find some sort of protection for his eyes. He was about to throw himself into the bushes along the road when he found it. His gold wedding band. For reasons unknown, the Dullahan was said to be averse to that precious metal. As he could nearly feel the heat of the horse's breath behind him, the man knew that there was only one thing he could do. With eyes screwed tightly shut, he threw himself off the road and tossed his ring toward the carriage. A loud, ethereal screech echoed through the air, and then... Silence. The man opened his eyes and looked up from the hedge he had landed on. Gone were the horses, the carriage, the flames. The harbinger of death was nowhere to be seen, nor was its head. All that remained was the stillness of the night and the light bright of the moon as it glinted off the gold wedding band in the middle of the road. Uh, so I realized where I knew this from. <laughs> it's from the episode I did over uh, yes. Samhain last year. Yeah, the that's where that's where we Halloween, first talked about the Dullahan. In which the entire episode I pronounced Samhain wrong. The entire episode, and now every time I hear somebody else pronounce it wrong, I'm like, um, it's not Samhain, it's Samhain. <laughs> when I had an entire episode out there. I was just going with what I you just, said. I um, know. But the thing is, is it's Gaelic. So, it's Gaelic. Uh, you always got to look it's that Samhain. up. It's Samhain. It's not Samhain. It looks like Samhain, but it's not. I, I get some of the pronunciation things of uh, Gaelic partially because of my own name, but partially because... Um, Get over yourself, woman. I, I try learning Gaelic every once in a while. It keeps popping up on my Duolingo. <laughs> Are you in Duolingo? Yes, I talk? am. <laughs> I like We know it, the though. memes about the, the Duolingo owl like coming yeah. to hunt you down, and they play into it oh, hard. Super hard. It's very funny. <laughs> All right. So my first story is called The Keyhole, and I found this published on scaryforkids.com <laughs> so it shouldn't be that scary um, it does not source an author I'm not going to do this as like <laughs> enchanting as Ashlyn okay mine's going to be very all on Miranda okay so a man went to a hotel and walked up to the front desk to check in the woman at the desk gave him his keys and told him that on the way to his room there was a door with no number that was locked and no one would be allowed in there know why especially no one should look inside the room under oh. any circumstances so he followed the instructions of of the woman at the front desk going straight to his room and going to bed the next night his curiosity would not leave him alone about that room with no number on the door he walked down the hall to the door and tried the handle sure mm. enough it was locked he bent down and looked through the wide keyhole. Cold air passed through it, chilling his eye. What he saw was a hotel bedroom, like his, and in the corner, 
was a woman whose skin was completely white. She was leaning her head against the wall, facing away from the door. He stared in confusion for a while. He almost knocked on the door out of curiosity, but decided not to. He crept away from the door and walked back to his room. The next day, he returned to the door and looked through the keyhole. This time, all he saw was red. He couldn't make anything out besides the distinct color of red. Perhaps the inhabitants of the room knew he was spying the night before and had blocked the keyhole with something red. At this point, he decided to consult the woman at the front desk for more information. She sighed and said, Did you look through the keyhole? The man told her that he had, and she said, Well, I might as well tell you the story. A long time ago, a man murdered his wife in that room, and her ghost haunts it. But... These people were not ordinary. They were white all over, except their eyes, which were red. The end. Once again, that was from scaryforkids.com. I actually have heard that one a few times. Oh, I had not. Ah, no, no, it's a a good one. It's an Mm -hmm. asshole. I, I like, I like the plot twist. So, what else you got for us? Well, this next one comes from a um, a Russian scary story uh and i know miranda doesn't like gruesome details but uh great this one's a little less gruesome you're so rude to me a little less look it's it's horror stories and this is russia okay (laughs) so without further ado and because miranda's being impatient again let's go (laughs) i present to you the coffin on wheels there once was a little girl and her mother was very sick On her deathbed, the mother gave her a warning. She told her daughter to never, ever paint her nails with red varnish. The girl agreed to listen to her mother's wishes. The little girl's mother died, and the little girl grew up. Over the years, she had forgotten about her promise to her mother. One night, she decided to paint her nails red. She had almost completed her work when a voice came from her radio suddenly. It announced, Hey, little girl, remove the varnish from your nails. A coffin on wheels has found your town and is looking for your street. Uh-uh. I don't... The Hey Little Girl really... Nope. Don't like that. The girl was confused and a little bit unnerved by the voice. Uh, yeah. But tried to think <laughs> nothing of it. She switched off her radio and turned on a TV show to take her mind off of things. The TV, however, had the same voice from the radio. Hmm. Hey, little girl, it said. The coffin on wheels has found your street and is looking for your apartment block. Take off your nail polish. Upon the realization that the message was meant for her, the little girl grew horrified. Quickly, she grabbed the polish remover and started rubbing at her nails. In a panic, she decided to call her friend for help, but upon picking up her phone, she heard that voice once again, this time coming through the receiver. Hey, little girl. The coffin on wheels has found your apartment block. Now it's looking for your flat. Take off your nail polish. The girl tossed her phone and scrubbed frantically at her nails, but the polish on the last nail refused to come off. There was a sudden pounding on her front door. Heart racing, she looked through the peephole, but nothing was there. Confused, she opened the door. There, in front of her apartment, was a coffin on wheels. It creaked open, and the corpse of her dead mother rose up before her eyes. Why didn't you listen to me? She asked innocently. Then she strangled her daughter. What? What? The end. What? 
<laughs> That's just how it ends. Excuse me? <laughs> Surprise! Dead man. Dead man. No, Miranda, no copyrights. Why you come and strangle me? So yeah, uh, that that was uh, my, my rewritten interpretation of it. Also, um, the hey little girl, the little too creepy. Do no, like no, it. okay, that part I did not make up. That's creepy. <laughs> yeah, it made me go. Yeah, every no. time, and I tried very hard <laughs> not to interrupt. I, I liked the repetitiveness because it felt very much like a uh, one of those old like Grimm's fairy tales kind yeah, of things. Yeah, yeah. So that, that's that's why I like that one. <laughs> but yeah, it's creepy. Yes. Uh, my next story is called Yellow Ribbon. I found this on AmericanFolklore.net. Um, this story is set in Wisconsin. Um, and this oh, retelling is by, this retelling of the old folklore story is mm-hmm. by S.E. Schlosser. Or Schlosser. Schlosser. I can't pronounce it. <laughs> Don't worry about it. All right. So yeah. this is by them. And I'm reading it to you. Amazing. Jane wore a yellow ribbon around her neck every day. And I mean every day. Rain or shine, whether it matched her outfit or not. It annoyed her best friend Johnny after a while. He was the next door neighbor and had known Jane since she was three. When he was young, he had barely noticed the yellow ribbon, but now they were in high school together. It bothered him. Why do you wear that yellow ribbon around your neck, Jane? He asked her every day, but she wouldn't tell him. Still, in spite of this aggravation, Johnny thought she was cute. He asked her to the soda shop for an ice cream sundae. Then he asked her to watch him play in the football game. Then he started seeing her home. And come the spring, he asked her to the dance. Jane always said yes when he asked her out. And she always wore a yellow sundress to match the yellow ribbon around her neck. It finally occurred to Johnny that he and Jane were going steady. And he... And he still didn't know why she wore the yellow ribbon around her neck. So he asked her about it yet again, and yet again she did not tell him. Maybe someday I'll tell you about it, she'd reply. Someday? That answer annoyed Johnny. But he shrugged it off because Jane was so cute and fun to be with. Well, time flew past, as it has a habit of doing... And one day, Johnny proposed to Jane, and she accepted. They planned a big wedding, and Jane hinted that she might tell him about the yellow ribbon around her neck on their wedding day. But somehow, what with the preparations and his beautiful bride and that lovely reception, Johnny never got around to asking Jane about it. And when he did remember, she got a bit teary-eyed and said, We're so happy together. What difference does it make? And Johnny decided she was right. Johnny and Jane raised a family of four with the usual ups and downs, laughter and tears. When their golden anniversary rolled around, Johnny asked once again Jane about her yellow ribbon around her neck. It was the first time he'd brought it up since the week after their wedding. Whenever their children asked him about it, he always hushed them. And somehow, none of the kids had dared ask their mother. Jane gave Johnny a sad look and said, Johnny, you've waited this long. You can wait a while longer. And Johnny agreed. 
It was not until Jane was on her deathbed a year later that Johnny, seeing his last chance slip away, asked Jane one final time about the yellow ribbon she wore around her neck. She shook her head a bit at his persistence and then said with a sad smile, Okay, Johnny, you can go ahead and untie it. With shaking hands, Johnny fumbled for the knot and untied the yellow ribbon around his wife's neck. And Jane's head fell off. The end. Yep, that was a thing. Yeah. I heard. I have definitely heard other versions of yeah. the story. I've heard a red ribbon before. Uh-huh. Red ribbon Several is the times. one I'm used to, but once yeah. you said a girl with a ribbon, I was like, oh, here, no. Here we are. Here we go again. <laughs> And then no. she laughed at going steady. <laughs> it was it was more like the, <laughs> it occurred to him that they were going His steady. Like, oh, was like, well, look at that. I got a girlfriend. <laughs> Wait, when did that happen? Crazy. Whoop. That that was that was one of the nicer versions of that, I honestly. I know. They had a nice long happy life together first, unlike yeah. all the other versions where she was like, like her what? wedding day. <laughs> My head and hey, off. good on Johnny for respecting boundaries. Ooh, it's called consent. It's called the bear. Johnny had minimum. it. <laughs> Johnny got consent. So can you. <laughs> don't be don't life. be touching people's yellow ribbons. Words to live by. Okay. Yep. So now the next three that I'm going to say, they're not all at once, but they're say, they're they're all from Japan. Uh, and uh-huh. they're considered like three of like the big Japanese ghost stories. Okay, I probably heard of them. Yeah, so I'm calling them the I, three Japanese ghost ladies. I read and watch a lot of anime and web, <laughs> web tunes. Same, hard same. Except uh, uh, so I don't even watch as much anime as you do at sometimes. Except I only watch the cutesy love stuff. All right. So this is the story of Oiwa or Aiwa. I should have looked this up. Um, so, Iwa was a woman of stunning beauty that one could hardly look away from. She was so beautiful that the samurai, Iamon, fell deeply in love with her. Iamon, however, was a petty man who valued beauty beyond all else. Ume lived near Iamon and Iwa, and she found herself falling for her friend's husband. As she heard Iamon boast of his wife's beauty, she grew increasingly enraged. In her fit of jealousy, she concocted a plan. Ume decided that she would get rid of Aiwa's looks. She gave her friend a special face cream laced with poison, so that when Aiwa used it, she would become disfigured. Over the next few weeks, Aiwa's eyes started drooping, and she started losing her hair without her noticing. Iamon now was disgusted with his wife's appearance, and wanted to divorce her and marry Ume instead. He hired his friend Takuetsu to attack Aiwa, but upon seeing what had happened to the woman, Takuetsu couldn't go through with the plan. He showed Aiwa what had happened to her face, and, distraught by her own visage, Aiwa stole Takuetsu's sword and stabbed herself. With her last breath, she cursed her husband's name. Iamon and Ume got married. On their wedding night, the ghost of Aiwa appeared to him. Terrified, Iamon fled from her, but no matter where he turned, there was his late wife. Wherever he went, Iowa followed. From that night on, Iamon was haunted by her. No matter where he looked, even into the lanterns he used to light his way, Iowa's face would be there, staring back at him. Is that it? Yeah, that's it. Oh my gosh. These ones, these ones are fairly short. 
Why didn't she haunt the friend who's a jerk? <laughs> I mean, the friend didn't make, like, you know, an, an <coughs> oath to her and then hire sorry, someone to attack her, so... Coughing right into the mic, sorry. So, I mean, yeah, the, the friend poisoned her and, like, stole her husband, but um, her husband, one, broke their vows, and two, because she, you know, was getting... Because she looked different, you know, hired someone to attack her. Oh, I think I blacked out for a minute. I didn't get that part. I thought the poison face cream killed her. Oops. No, she she was upset by the fact that she was going bald and and uh, her eyes were drooping and she didn't even notice that when she saw it, she uh, she stole the friend's sword or she stole the guy who was hired to attack her sword and uh, killed herself. Oh crap. Wow. Maybe you should listen every once in a while, Miranda, when I'm telling you. I have ADD. Story. <laughs> I have ADD. She's I'm so mean sorry. to me. You I'm, see how this show I'm goes, sorry. guys? Sorry. No, they're going to bully me in the <laughs> no! comments again. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, so, my next story this one is called The Wedding Dress. There once was a young bride who was so excited to get married, but she and her, hus- er, her husband to be were very poor. They were planning this very small wedding at the city hall. But the girl had dreamed of wearing a beautiful wedding dress on her wedding day, and that was her plan. To find one very, very cheap, she scoured the local shops. She went to all the thrift stores. Finally, she found one. This gorgeous wedding dress looked brand new. She asked the storekeeper about the dress and how expensive it was, and it was selling very, very inexpensively. And she said, what's wrong with this dress? It looks brand new. It's beautiful. And they said, well, the last woman to wear this dress died on her wedding day. And she said, oh, wow, that's a terrible tragedy, but but this dress is beautiful, and, and it looks just my size, and it's in my price range. I'm going to buy it. I'm so excited by getting married so soon. So she buys the wedding dress. And the shopkeeper said, Go, blessed be with you. Everything be okay. Enjoy your wedding day. She takes the dress home and she puts it in her closet. She says, I'm not going to look at it again until our wedding day. Wedding day was a week away. And every day, she walked by her closet and she knew, Oh, my wedding dress is in there and I want to put it on. She said, No, no, no. I'm going to save it for the wedding day. Well, finally, the wedding day was coming. It was tomorrow. And the bride-to-be thought, oh, I can't wait any longer. I have to try on my dress. The wedding is tomorrow. So she slipped on the dress. The next day came, and her maid of honor came knocking on the door. She said, bride, bride, it's your wedding day. Time to get up. Time to go to the courthouse. No reply. She said, oh, she must not be ready yet. She came back an hour later. Still no reply. Soon, everybody's getting a little anxious and and worried. Where's the bride? She was so excited for today. So the groom finally comes and knocks on the door and says, Oh, my love, please come to the door. It's our wedding day. Come on, please come out. Still no reply. So they find the key to the door. They open it. And they find the bride peacefully asleep so they thought, in her wedding dress. But upon further investigation, her skin was a green color, and she was not breathing. She was dead. 
Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> Cursed wedding dress. We got a haunted wedding dress. We got a haunted, uh, haunted carriage, haunted wedding dress, haunted uh, lights, lanterns. Yeah, lanterns. <laughs> haunted keyholes, or I guess hotel rooms. Yeah, the keyhole. <laughs> this episode's got everything, guys. Haunted. Ooh. Ghost stories. Yeah. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah, I I vaguely remembered that one like yeah, a little yeah, bit. Yeah. It was it was one our mom told us, wasn't it? No, I heard it in like elementary school. Oh, mom maybe told that's us a version. Maybe of it. that's where I remember. All right. So since the second of our Japanese ghost ladies, uh, Okiku. Okay. So, Okiku was a servant in the Himeji Castle who worked under the samurai Ayama. An important part of Okiku's daily tasks was to clean. Ayama's treasured collection of ten plates. One day, however, while Okiku washed the plates, she realized one was missing. She recounted them again and again, but the count always came up short. Panicked, she desperately searched for the plate, but to no avail. Upon hearing of the missing plate, Ayama became enraged. Convinced that she was the one who lost his plate, he grabbed her by the hair and threw her down a well. With such a sudden and tragic death, Okiku's spirit was restless. Every night, her ghost would climb up out of its well, hoping that the missing plate had finally returned. She would count her master's place, plates, but could only count nine. As she realized the tenth plate was missing, she would let out an ear-piercing wail at her failure once again. This happened every night, keeping the castle awake with her screams for several weeks on end, until finally a Buddhist priest was able to appease her spirit. I definitely knew that one. Yeah, it's 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 one of the one of the big ones. Yeah, and like all of my favorite ones, whenever they do like mm-hmm. the school, uh, they always have like the school festival episode. Oh yeah, know? and they got something like that. And they always, for some reason, they always do a haunted house. Yeah, always. Or they always go into a haunted there's, house. There's always there's always like a haunted episode, like something like yeah, that. Yeah, you know? there's always an episode with some kind of haunted house or haunted thing, and there's always an Okiku reference. In there, it's kind of so like the, the ring. <laughs> yeah, a little bit actually. I think I think that's, I think that's what, it's uh, based what the off of. what what the ring is based off of. I that's think that's what I'm saying. Yeah, because this one's ancient. But also, um, one one of my favorite animes is uh, one of one of the most popular ones apparently uh-huh. currently, uh, which is um, My Hero Academia. Uh-huh. And there's a character named Ayama in there, but he is an incorrigible like scaredy cat at the time. But he's also like kind of so. <laughs> All right, so here's my last story. It's not the last story. It's my last story. Yes. Uh, This one is called The Ghost of Oxford Mill... Sorry. The Ghost of Oxford Milford Road. Ooh, fancy. This one uh, I found on OutsideOnline.com. The storyteller, writer, and editor is Brad Culp. Mm -hmm. When Brad Culp was a student at Miami University in Oxford, Ohio... There was a rumor that the town was one of the most haunted places in America. Hmm. When Culp started on uh, an on-campus magazine, he couldn't wait to write about several of the area's most famous phantoms. Not long after his story published, though, he kept finding himself thinking about one ghost in particular, the ghost of Oxford Milford Road. As the story goes... Many decades ago, probably sometime in the 1940s, there was a young man courting a young woman in the rural part of town. Because the woman's parents didn't approve of the match, each night he visited under the cover of darkness. 
After her parents went to bed, the young woman would sneak out of her farmhouse and flash the lights of her parents' car three times. Then, her young suitor would ride his motorcycle down the road. One night, he took the turn right before her house a little too sharp, says Kolb. The motorcycle went one way, and he went the other. His injuries were so severe that he did not survive. Rumor has it, however, that his love-struck ghost still haunts the streets of Milford Road. Curious, Culp, his girlfriend, now his wife, and a friend decided to head out there one night to see if they could verify the tale. His girlfriend was worried she'd be completely freaked out. She believes, uh, she believes more in that stuff than I do, Culp says. But he was mostly concerned that his suspicions that none of this was actually true would be confirmed. On this particular night, as Culp passed the abandoned farm, an idea came to him. And he pitched it to his girlfriend. How could she not say yes? Though reluctantly, she relented, and Culp turned a short way into the farmhouse driveway. He killed the engine and flashed his lights three times. No joke, there was a single headlight that appeared three quarters of a mile down the road, Culp says. You saw it start to come, going pretty slow. It kept coming and coming. My wife was freaking out. It was coming closer and closer. As a collision seemed imminent, Culp turned on his car's lights. He expected to see a kid on a bike, bailing out from his prank now that he'd been caught. But there's nothing there. The light is just gone, he says. They got out of the car. They walked around trying to figure out what it was that they could have seen. To this day, we still talk about it. I saw something I cannot explain, he says. If you get him and his wife around a campfire, they'll swear up and down that the story's true. And if you're ever in Oxford, Ohio, consider parking for just a few minutes on old Oxford, oh, Oxford Milford Road at night to test your own nerve. Or like I could not do that. I had actually heard that story before. Mm-hmm. I'd heard a version of Somewhere. it before. I don't know where I heard it, though. It, it vaguely also reminds me... It may have been for on some reason. podcast or it was on TikTok. It, it, vague, it vaguely reminds me of... Uh, I, I actually think that was like in, my, in one of my Haunted America books kind of things. Uh, but um, it vaguely reminds me of, oh gosh, Johnny 13 from Danny Phantom, who like rides around on his motorcycle Jeez. with his girlfriend. <laughs> Things about shows like that, though. Danny Phantom, I don't know why it gave me such an existential issue or something. Not existential. Because he was half dead, Miranda. No, that not, was like his it wasn't even thing. that. It wasn't even the fact that he was half ghost. It was the fact that like a lot of the ghosts he met up with were like teenagers or children. Mm-hmm. And I was like, they're dead. They yeah. died. Like, they're kids. Like, can, we, can we just talk about the premise of Danny Phantom, though, being yeah, like half like ghost half dead. and have not? Like, the implications are pretty screwed up. <laughs> oh, my God. All right. Well, it's about time for our, our final story here, which it wouldn't surprise me if you've heard it before. Okay. Um, but but it's, it's a pretty good one. Okay. And it has a bittersweet ending. So this is the story of one dark and lonely night, the samurai Ogiwara spotted a beautiful woman in the streets of Edo, or Edo. Edo. Yeah. Uh, she car- carried with her a peony lantern 
And as he met her gaze, Ogiwara felt in love instantly. Upon speaking to her, he found out her name was Atsuyu and invited her to his home. There they laughed and talked all through the night. Ogiwara's neighbor overheard the laughter and peeked over into the garden, into Ogiwara's garden to see what the commotion was. His eyes widened at what he saw. In Ogiwara's arms was not a beautiful woman, but in fact, a laughing skeleton. Ugh. The next morning, the neighbor informed Ogiwara of what he had seen. Ogiwara grew horrified and sought the advice from the priests at a nearby temple. To his surprise, he found Atsuyu's grave and learned that the woman he had fallen in love with had actually died long ago. Upon hearing the news, Ogiwara was heartbroken, and Atsuyu's ghost no longer appeared to him. Despite their differences, Ogiwara desperately longed to see his beloved again. After some time, he could no longer stay away and revisited the temple where Atsuyu was buried. As he approached the gates, she appeared before him. She offered him her hand and asked if he would accompany her home. Elated, Ogiwara took her hand and together they walked into the darkness. After this visit to the temple, no one could find Ogiwara anywhere. The man had simply vanished. Concerned that he had run off with his beloved's corpse, the priest opened Atsuyu's grave. To his surprise, the coffin contained two bodies. There laid o Ogiwara and Atsuyu, resting in peace together. Ew. They're both dead. They're in love. No, They're dead she was love. already dead. That's creepy. Okay, so, like, the grave wasn't already open. Like, he didn't just climb into her grave, Miranda. I don't know how he got there. How would okay. he have reburied it, Miranda? Still, it's creepy. He was attracted to a corpse. He was attracted to her spirit. Thank you. Yeah, okay. Whatever. The deepest kind of... He loved her soul, Miranda. Okay, uh, It's well, romantic. You know, if, if you like what you hear here... <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> Uh, We've gone on too long again, haven't yes. we? Well, if you have, honestly, if you have some of uh, your favorite ghost stories, like maybe passed down through your family, something like that, please feel free to email them to us at matterthanacaterpillar@gmail.com, or you could visit us on our Instagram, uh, where you could send us a little message or look at our funny pictures and stuff uh, at matterthanacaterpillar. Or, you know, if you want us to look into the histories of some of these urban legends or some of your, you know, favorite things, like not just tell them, but, you know, do a little bit of research because oh. I guess no, no, that's no. what our podcast is no. about. Once again, remember that time I tried to research <laughs> an urban legend? You know how well that went? Don't research urban legends. There's no reliable sources. Then you just <laughs> tell all half of what you do is urban legends. Like, what do you want? No, I do cryptids. <laughs> They have some sustenance. Anyway, if you want to Substance. see Miranda try and research an urban legend Rude. again, you can send those to us at, or on Twitter, okay. at Matter Than a Cat. We don't need a repeat of Zombie Rotary Road. <laughs> I don't understand why Miranda, like, despises that episode so much. It's but, like, terrible. I haven't listened to it, like, and ever. too many so. people have listened to it. I need it to stop. Anywho, um... We also have a Facebook page at ITYW Podcast, or I'll tell you what with a period instead of an ellipses. We've also got some stuff going on on TikTok, at Matter Than a Caterpillar. We've got some fun little videos up there, and we've yeah. actually been updating it a little bit. What? I just posted one yesterday. Yeah, I saw it. 
<laughs> Sorry, I'm still I'm still enjoying our, our our murder show, you know, episode. That I one know. makes me smile so much. I know, and literally, it, it only has like 20 likes on it. So and people I'm like, need to go to our TikTok, please, and like our video about watching a murder show because it was it, it was a lot of production value went into that. <laughs> okay, we spent like a whole like 20 minutes on it. Yeah. Which for Miranda is a lot, and for me is very little. <laughs> for a TikTok, you shouldn't spend that much time on things. Oh God! So no, I spend so much time trying to. Maybe that's why you suck. No, I'm just kidding. No, Miranda, that, it's the best take that I post. That's the sad part. I see. I put little to no effort in everything that I post. Anyway, none of us are really popular on the internet. But. So, uh, and with with that, I'll leave you with this. Tell your mom. Tell your dad. Tell your friends. Tell the FBI agent listening through your phone. And tell the ghost that lives in your closet. And good night. Also visit us on Patreon because we didn't say that one. We said it earlier, basically. Okay, fine. Oh, I'm ready for the spoops this, this weekend. Get off the podcast. I will.